Mac Power Users, Episode 90, Better Meetings. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Man, every time I hear that music, I just want to start, you know, banging drums at my desk or something. Yeah, Johnny did a great job. Thanks for all the positive feedback on it, everybody. We like hearing hearing that. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I'm sure Johnny does as well. Uh, but this week is a is a topic that we mentioned in passing a couple of episodes ago, and I I think this is a problem that that you have, that I have, and that apparently a lot of our listeners have as well because they've written in in droves and said yes, you must do a Mac Power User Show on the topics of meetings. So we're going to talk about why meetings suck, how to make them suck less, and and what types of technology you can use in your meetings to. To make them go smoother. Yeah, and you can tell that Katie got to choose the the name of this week's show because I think mine would have been a little more aggressive. Well, you know, I'm always nervous about that clean tag. Yeah, well, the meetings are a strange thing. And I guess as a preview, I think you can use technology to make them a little better, but that's not the real key. Yeah, and I've got some real questions about this technology area when we get to that because I, I think as I've mentioned on the show before, my office is a little bit technology phobic, and um, sometimes bringing technology into a meeting can really be a barrier and sometimes be a distraction. So I'm interested to hear some solutions about how you get over that and, and how you move the conversation back to the topic of the meeting and not, oh, what's that cool gizmo you've got? Well, I think if you do the stuff we're about to talk about, that'll take you a long way there. So uh, right. before we get started, though, let's pretend we are back to work for a little bit. Right. Oh, no. Uh, am I going to have to come up with, with audio? What do you mean? Like, if we're going to be the Back to Work podcast. No, that's cool. I just, you know, this is stuff that Merlin Mann talks about with a lot of authority, and he thinks about it a lot more than me, I think. He uh, does a really good job. So if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in this stuff, go subscribe to Back to Work, also on the 5x5 network. Yeah, but great show. I, I can just tell you my thoughts about meetings and why they suck. I, I'm in a small uh, law practice. I'm not in a big firm. But as a, I still find myself in a lot of meetings, you know, with client matters, with opposing counsel, with my own staff. And it seems like I've kind of gone through a journey on this. When I first started practicing law, I thought meetings were great. You know, I could go in there and hear what people had to say. And, you know, it was kind of a break from being stuck in my office doing research all day, which is what you do when you're a new lawyer. And mm-hmm. so I thought they were great. And at some point... Along the twenty-year path, I became uh, anti-meeting. I just dread them, uh, and, and now I, I almost—I hate seeing meetings show up on my calendar because it just ends up being a big waste of time. And there's so many things that can go wrong with a meeting. Uh, there's the time-wasting element of it, where people have a few small bits of information, but manage to turn it into two hours worth of jibber jabber. Uh, there's the secret agendas. You want know to talking about that, Katie? Oh yeah, where the the topic on your calendar says we're going to talk about X, and you really end up talking about Y and Z. Oh yeah, I I have been bamboozled in meetings by people. I've gone into meetings where everybody in the room knew they were going to talk about this thing that was going to you know torque me off, and nobody told me, and it just comes up in front of everyone, and you know stuff like that just makes me crazy, and. Or or worse yet, you get caught and you feel like you're unprepared for something and you end up looking like a fool. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I get angry, so it, it's not really, I don't look foolish as much as I get kind of aggressive. And then there's the brownie points thing, you know, where you go into a meeting and everybody sits in there talking about how great they are and trying to make the boss feel like, oh, look how good I am. I, I had a case a few years ago with um, where I was representing a client along with another attorney. And the other attorney was this brownie point, like, he was like a maven at it, you know. Every time he wouldn't do a, a damn thing on the case, and every time we sat down for a meeting with a client, he had a everything list. suddenly became his idea. Yeah, it was crazy, yeah. you know. And and you know the funny thing is the client saw right through it, and the guy never got hired back. And but it's just you know it's just another game people play in meetings. And then you know there's power games and talking over. Have you ever been in a meeting where somebody has a good idea, and then somebody else in the meeting has to feel that they have to talk louder than that person and interrupt? Yeah, it's it's so vexing, and uh, you know, for all of these reasons, uh, when meetings show up, I I generally try to avoid them. I mean, the first thing I always ask myself when someone puts a meeting on for my calendar is, "What can I bring to this meeting?" In fact, there's a great story. I don't know if it's it's lore or if it's true about Steve Jobs being in a meeting, and he's they they start meeting and they've got somebody and I think from marketing that's sitting in on the meeting from I think like the advertising agency or something and he says excuse me who are you <laughs> right right <laughs> at the beginning of the meeting she says oh I'm so and so from marketing blah 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 and I'll, just, I'll look it up and see if I can find the, the article on it and put it in the show notes and uh, he says well thank you but we won't be needing your help you can leave and I, I love that so much I can't tell you <laughs> oh how I would love to do that you know um but I think before we start talking about how we can make meetings suck less, let's go ahead and just cover our first sponsor. Well, our first sponsor today is 1Password, and it's a very important sponsor, especially given everything that's going on in the security world. Now, we've we've heard about several security breaches recently, probably most notably being the LinkedIn security breach, where not only were passwords breached, their password database, but also these passwords were posted online for anybody to see or anybody to crack. And if you were one of the unfortunate ones that had your LinkedIn password breached, and I was, uh, you could be at great risk if you've ever used that password anywhere else on the internet. And I was very fortunate, thanks to 1Password, I had a strong, unique password to that specific LinkedIn site that I'd never used before. So I wasn't specifically concerned about this breach. I went into LinkedIn, I changed my username and password. What I should have done probably is gone into LinkedIn and delete my account, but that's another topic for another day, I suppose. You know what's crazy about that LinkedIn problem was I got a bunch of emails from LinkedIn giving me status updates about you know people I know or people who I'm linked to. And no notice about the bad password until like a day or two later. I still haven't gotten my notice about the bad password. Yeah. So it's not so good. Well, but, but boy, that's, know, a, a, lot of that's that. a good reason to use one password, isn't it? It is because what one password allows you to do is to create strong, unique passwords on your Mac, on your PC. They've got clients for the iPhone, the iPad, Android, just about everything. And it uses Dropbox to sync everything everywhere. So you've got it where you need it. And unfortunately, David, it's really going to take major breaches like this that are going to teach people you have to start taking this password thing seriously. Uh, you know, for example, I've got this one client that I still do consulting work for. I've been I've been doing work for him for about ten or ten years now, probably. I just can't seem to hand him over to anybody else. And I downloaded one password for him years ago. I tried to get him on the one password bandwagon, but it just never took for any reason. And he used a word file 
that he's got a list of all of his usernames and all of his passwords for all of his accounts, all of his websites, and he uses the same ones over and over and over again because they're easy for him to remember. And when I saw him this afternoon, he knew all about the LinkedIn breach, and, and we talked about that. And he said, well, maybe it's time I should start looking at that one password thing again. And I said, yeah, I think it is. So, you know, we went into his Word document, and we did a find. We found his LinkedIn password, and we found multiple, multiple, multiple occasions where he had used to cross sites. So we pretty much spent the afternoon changing his website, his uh, password across multiple websites and then getting him set up in one password. And I know, hopefully nobody listening to this podcast, but if there is, it's time to hop on this one password bandwagon. But I know you know people and I know you've got family members who are doing the exact same thing and putting their security at risk. There's no way a Mac Power user's listener could have a word file with passwords, right? Well, if they are, don't email us. Shame on you. Go get one password. It's not that expensive. Just It just protects all of your passwords. That's right. all. Yeah. And it makes it so easy. And that, that's the thing. The reason why you have the word file and you have the one, the one single password you're using in multiple websites is because you don't want to mess around with trying to generate a complex password. Well, guess what? One password does that for you. Not only does it do that for you, it keeps track of them and fills them in, whether you're on an iPad or an iPhone or a Mac or a Windows or an Android. So wherever you're at, it's just handled. I, I don't think there's any good reason not to have that stuff in place. And I got news for you. These types of password violations that we saw with LinkedIn, that's not going away. It's just going to continue. Yeah. Uh, the 1Password guys are already ready for Mountain Lion. They're in the Mac App Store. You can buy it for $49.99 in the Mac App Store, and that will work on all of your machines that are authorized. Uh, you can buy it from their website as well. And if you go to their website, you can use our coupon code and get 20% off anything purchased from their store. There, they also have a Mac and Windows bundle if you end up having to use 1Password on your work PC or if you have a PC at home for any reason. That's $69.99. The iOS Pro version will work on both an iPad and an iPhone for $14.99. Or you can get either the iPad or the iPhone only version for $9.99. So you can check that out and find more information over at OnePassword.com. Get rid of your Word files. And they're a longtime sponsor, and we want to thank them for supporting the podcast. All right. So, uh, David, first step into making meetings suck less. Can I just not go? Is yeah, that an option? That, that's the first option. You know, take a look at when a meeting shows up, ask, do I need to be there? And a lot of times you don't. Um, uh, you know, there's two kinds of meetings, really. There's the kind of meeting that you set, and there's the kind of meeting that you're asked to attend. Now, you got to be careful here, because if you just not sh- if you start not showing up for other people's meetings, number one, you may not be the boss, and you you know, not showing up for the boss's meetings may get you in trouble, and and you may start getting a reputation as someone. Well, my meetings are important, but your meetings aren't. Yeah, I kind of have a reputation like that, and okay. it's okay. But I, I tell well, that people, works well for you. It may not work well for everybody else. But no. I think it can. And the trick is to explain to people why. You know, there are people uh, that have power over me that try to set meetings for me to be at. And I have told them, yes or no, I won't be there. And it depends on what the meeting concerns. If it's a meeting that is something that doesn't affect me or where my input's not going to make any particular bit of difference. And at the same time, I'm working on other projects that are pretty important that can make a difference. It's kind of a cost benefit. And I've, I've, uh, 
I've told people, hey, that's a great meeting. It sounds like you guys are doing something really important, even though I probably don't mean that. Uh, but I don't think I should be there, and this is why. I've got X, Y, and Z projects I'm in the middle of, and getting those deadlines done is much more important than deciding what color toilet paper we're going to put in the bathroom. You know, I'm, I'm thinking you might purpose. have a text expander snippet that says that. Um, are you familiar with the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution, <laughs> where uh, I cannot make an admission that will... Okay. Anyway, so so I do uh, I do have a regular statement, but you can't just as a, a power tip there, uh, you can't really use a text expander snippet to the same person more than once on that. So you got to like kind of go in and fiddle with it a little bit. But text expander has a fill in filled, and you could say I cannot be there because I'm working on the following projects, and you can fill that in. So anyway, uh, that that's a thing, and and don't don't just pass off on this this point here. Really, really look at it and just try it. You know, just try and get yourself out of a couple of meetings and see how empowering it is. So once you start doing it, you'll be surprised how, how many of the meetings you can get get out of. I probably get out of about a third of the meetings that people try and put me in. Does that make me a bad person? I don't know, but it does make me a happy person. <laughs> so ask yourself why. And and some meetings will be set that truly are important that you be at, you know. Um and I guess I'm using the lawyer stuff here because that's what I do for, for a living. But, you know, if there's a new case and someone wants me to take over and they're setting a meeting with me and the prior lawyer and the client, absolutely, I need to be there, right? So right. so you can't get yourself out of every meeting. But uh, if there is a meeting that you think you need to be at, the next thing I try to do in my head, at least, is categorize, you know, what is the purpose of this meeting? You know, there's... Uh, you know, the, the best reason for a meeting, in my opinion, is to convey information back and forth that can't be done on a personal basis, where you need two or three people in a room. Like, if you need one person, I guess that would be another type of meeting. In fact, I've got some some thoughts on that later in the outline. But by a meeting right now, I'm talking about you go to a round table in a room somewhere and people sit around it and talk. And you know, there's that kind of meeting where you're trying to convey information, and, and that's something you need to be at, where you either need to receive or provide information or both. So uh, if that's the case, you know, get in your head, as soon as it's set, it shows up in your life, what that meeting is about. And the next thing you ask yourself is, okay, who are the people that can convey the information? Um, I think it's very common in big companies and even small ones to set a meeting to convey information where more people are invited than need to be there. And maybe this is a corollary to my first rule of ask if you need to go, you know, ask if the other people need to be there. Yeah. I think you also have to be careful with that one too, because you don't want to seem like, well, does so-and-so really need to be here? No, but see, I think you should. I -hmm. think you should. If they've got a, you know, going back to the law practice, I, you know how how much we try to avoid talking about law on this show. This, this episode's (laughs) going to have some reference to it. You know, uh, they've got a um, maybe there's a, a paralegal that has a a very small piece of a case, and you're meeting about something entirely different. Well, that person's time could be spent elsewhere. Better. Yeah, no, that's very true. And and I think it's out of respect to that person as much as it is to everybody else in the room, because you know the more voices you have in meetings, for all the reasons I talked about at the top of the show, you know every extra person in that room is you know one more possibility that you're going to have a, the loud talker the secret right. agenda the brown nose or whatever so the more bodies you put in there um there's an inverse curve to the actual ability to communicate information 
Sure. You're adding more complexity to the meeting. You're adding more agendas to the meeting. You're adding more time to the meeting. Uh, and, and the meetings become more difficult. Absolutely. And in my opinion, when you, the extra person is an attorney, it's an exponential growth. It's Absolutely. not just, it's not linear. <laughs> it's right. it it way out of control, you know? Uh, so uh, that's why I'm so uptight about that. So, you know, you say, okay, what type of information are we going to convey at the meeting? And then who needs to be there? And then the next thing you do is you go into the planning. And we haven't talked much about technology yet, but now we get to talk about technology. So uh, I feel, you know, getting back to the two types of meetings, the meeting I run, the meeting I attend, um, I, I really try to make an effort that if I'm going to bring all this pain on people's lives, you know, and put them at the risk of all the problems that come with meetings, and based on the assumption that most of the people I deal with feel the same way I do about meetings, is if I'm going to make these people show up for a meeting, I'm going to make it worth their time. And that that means that I spend some time planning. Now, do you convey this information to the attendees of your meeting beforehand? Sort of. Um, the way I do it is, uh, you know, like a steamroller. I just, I have a system that goes into place. You know, it's like, okay, you know, it's like a, a lock. You've got through the first tumbler that this is something that I can help with. Second tumbler, this is a... a, a good reason to have a meeting the third tumbler i know the people are going to be there then once you get through all those things then i start doing things and that's where my technology i think helps me so there are all kinds of meetings obviously that you can have everything from the 15 minute quick session to four hour strategizing and beyond do you actually have a formal agenda that you plan from these and then if so how do you convey that information to the attendees of your meeting do you give it to them in advance do you hand out paper at the meeting? Do you email them something in advance? What goes into the planning that agenda, and, and how do you convey it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I plan. So I was just thinking about the beginning of your question about 15-minute meetings versus long meetings. Um, I generally don't find that something that you think can be handled in a 15-minute meeting is, is worth a meeting. That's probably true. Uh, but if there is a meeting that's going to happen, and if I'm if it's my meeting, I do an agenda, and I don't do the formal outline agenda that people are used to. You know, opening, you know, quorum, whatever. You see these things as you go through life. But instead, right. I I write down the issues and the questions to be answered. And so, you know, you know, the first question is, you know, do we do we buy blue or you know white toilet paper? You know, so you write the question down and you make a list of it. And at the beginning, I have a, a list of the key people and their role, which is kind of getting back to my theme of what, why we're doing the meeting and, you know, why you are specifically being invited. And I do it with an email. So once I sit down and I know that I'm organizing a meeting, as soon as I know, it, even if it's a week away, I'll send off an email. And there is a text expander snippet that I use for that. That is a, a basic meeting agenda uh, I just do AA agenda, you know, for text expander and it fills it out for me. And then I can go through and put in key questions and, and action items in, in essence in this agenda. So that goes out to people as soon as I figure it out. Uh, you know, meetings can be set with just a few days notice or they can be set with weeks notice. So it, either way I get it out very early after the meeting is set. And I feel like as the meeting host, if that's the right word, it's that, I can make it a productive meeting if I spend the time to get it set up that way. And, and people will respond to that because 
they say, well, David is like really taking this seriously. He's already sent me an agenda and he's explaining what my goal is. And I have a list of questions here that we need to answer. So people gen- generally, I think, show up ready to answer those questions. So you kind of give them homework before the meeting. You say, these are the these are the things that I expect you to come to the meeting being prepared to answer or prepared to discuss. Yeah, and that way nobody ever feels like they got, you know, shanghaied at one of my meetings or, you know, bamboozled or whatever the word is, that you, you don't get caught flat-footed with something that you didn't even expect to talk about. And to a certain extent, and it depends on the meeting and the complexity, but I may even assign, like, leaders on questions, like the first question and I'll say, you know, you know, and I'll put a person's name underneath it so that person knows, well, okay, this is something I'm going to be talking a lot about. Yeah. Um, this is something I'm going to be talking a lot about. Eddie, please bring us up to date on this issue. You know, John, please bring us up to date on this issue. Is that kind of how you do it or? Not really. Um, it's, just, oh, okay. it's like I'll say this is a question that we have and uh, I'll go legal. You know, how, how big is the discovery plan going to be? You know, are we going to do depositions of X, Y, and Z? And I'll put someone's name under, you know, client representative name, say, you know, Joe Blow will know, you know, the key issues that this person could or could not talk about. And then we'll get that information, then we'll talk about why, and then we'll answer the question on the agenda. The other thing I do with these agendas is I always put the most important question to be answered first. It seems to me like there's this drama element to meetings where people want to start with, like, softball things, um, you know, or... Or they want to start the meeting talking about family or things like that. And I, I'm all for, I love talking about my family and my kids. You know, if anybody here has met me, they know that. But in a meeting, I think it's really inappropriate. I, I think the whole point of the meeting is, you know, go in, let's get our questions answered and get out. I mean, and that's just me. So maybe somebody would disagree. But I like to go in and hit the hard points first and just work our way down to whatever the, you know, sub points are and then be done. So the agenda is written in that method. What about the timing of the meetings? I mean, a lot of times the biggest problem with meetings is they have a meeting that's set for an hour, and all of a sudden, probably because people are off task or don't know how to handle a meeting, you've just lost half of your day. Yeah, and a lot, and you know, an hour meeting is a huge commitment. I try not to make meetings an hour. Usually I try to make them for 30 minutes, and that seems to create a sense of urgency. Um, if you get in the meeting and there truly is a reason to keep it going longer, then you keep it going longer. It's not like... You know, the room is going to explode if you don't finish in 30 minutes. But I like everybody in the room going there thinking, at least to begin with, that we have to be done in 30 minutes. Um, And one of the things I put in my little snippet is, the meeting shall begin at X and it shall end at Y. And it's not not a hyphen. You don't say meeting from 10 10, 10 a.m. hyphen, 11 a.m. It says, the meeting shall begin at 10 a.m., the meeting shall end at 10.30 a.m. I don't know why, but it seems like it helps. Okay. Um, the, what happens if the meeting doesn't end at 10.30? Well, you know, then we'll sit here and say, okay, we're at, we're at our end time. Do we need to continue? And, you right. know, and we can if, if we're really truly there. But rarely does that happen. But I want the people in there walking in there knowing that, you know, Dave is only going to take so much of my time. Now, Merlin uh, Mann did a, an excellent post on this a couple years ago where he had a friend who had a company and they had little poker chips printed up and they had mm-hmm. like, I think 15 minute increments on them and they would hand them out to all the employees and you would get these chips and you could use them, you know, say, Hey, I need 15 minutes of your time. You have to give them your chip. And then you only had so many chips. And the idea was that you wouldn't spend the whole time running around doing meetings all week. 
I cannot find that post. I've been looking for it for two days. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write Merlin. If he's not too busy, hopefully get a link from him or, or at least the name of the guy. Uh, I thought that was kind of neat, although it seems to me um, a little over the top. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I would do that. Sorry, you're out of chips. You can't talk to me. Yeah, exactly. But, but I, I totally believe in the problem. And if it became such a problem that you needed it, I would use that before I would not use that. Like, you know, if I know like big firm lawyers tell me that that's a huge problem is that they're trying to work. And every 10 minutes, somebody comes and knocks on their door and wants to talk to them about this or that. And they get to the end of the day and they spent all the day dealing with other little tiny problems and never solved any of their big problems. And I think well, that's it. That's a huge problem for me, but but on two different levels. Um, on one level, in, in my law firm, I have a lot of people who are coming to me every day to do things. So I spend a big portion of my day unexpectedly trying to deal with other people's problems, which puts a huge time crunch on my day because I probably had the day planned to do X, Y, and Z because that's what I needed to get done, and that's what I had on my inbox and on my agenda for that day. But instead, my day keeps getting interrupted because everybody like a stream comes into my office to tell me about their problems, to tell me about their issues, to tell me about what they need me to get done. Now, part of that is because to some degree I'm I'm low woman on the totem pole and that's part of my job description is is to get some stuff done for other people. And and part of that's what I do and that's just the life of a young attorney and you have to deal with that. Uh, but it also can be quite a detriment. So on one hand, I, I get that those I get those poker chips that that could be helpful. I'm not real not real sure that there is a solution to that issue other than just shutting your door and and being nasty to people and saying go away. I can't deal with you right now. You know, you'd be surprised though. Even though you're low woman on the totem pole, as you say, um, I think if people came in and said, "Oh, I got to tell you about this new case," I'd say, "You know, that's great." But right now, I'm right in the middle of something important. And why don't we agree to meet tomorrow at 9 a.m.? And I do that to people all the time. People that work above me, people that work below me or laterally, either way. And I've done that for years. And for instance, with my, my secretary, we have a set meeting, you know, every afternoon and it's five or 10 minutes. And I find that it's very efficient because I set the meeting very, very close to the time she goes home. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know? now, tell me about that. I'm very interested in that. What, what do you guys do every day when you meet for five or ten minutes? Well, she has, as she goes through the day, she'll have a list of questions of things that come up in her life, you know, that, that involve me. And she needs a feedback on it one way or another. Rarely is one of those things something where she needs an immediate answer. Okay. And we kind of went through a period where she kept coming in all the time. And I said, look, I can't do that. I mean... An interruption when you're really focused is it completely derails you, especially somebody as slow as me. Right? So I, I need focus. So, so you know, I just say, okay, that's great. Save it. We'll talk about it at the end of the day. And you do that a few times, and you do it over a course of time. You develop kind of a, a, a habit, and then all of a sudden that other person picks up on that and says, okay, this guy doesn't want me coming in there every time something comes up. Um, and I'll just make a list. And at the end of the day, I'll have a list of things for her and she'll have a list of things for me. And I really like that idea. I, I think I could implement that. And you can do it with, you know, whatever your business is. It works. The, and this isn't rocket science. It's not like I'm, I probably may, I probably read it somewhere. I probably heard Merlin talk about, it. I don't know where I came up with this, but the point of being is I know that every time I get an interruption, it, it affects me. And, and I use that, 
with everyone in my professional life. So whether it's the guy, there's a guy down the hall who is another attorney who doesn't have any partners. So he comes in all the time to talk to me to bounce ideas off. And, and he's learned that, you know, if he comes in unannounced, I will, I'll send him back out. You know, <laughs> But if we set time aside, you know, maybe once a week we'll go sit down, whatever we can talk about stuff. And I'm happy to, to bounce ideas with him. But the, the whole point for me is one of control. I, I just don't want people feeling like they can come in my office anytime they want and, and start, you know, asking me about things that require me to completely shift my focus. I, yeah, I think that could work. And it could also work in the result in in the flip, because again, being low woman on the totem pole, to some extent, there are a lot of things when times when things come across my desk that maybe I don't have the authority to make the decision. And maybe I need to go to someone else who, who needs to make that decision or who needs to be aware, who needs to be involved in that. Uh, and they're busy and they don't want to deal with me at that moment, or they can't deal with me at that moment to say, okay, Hey, look, that's fine. But tell you what, from, from 4.45 to 5.15, I get that time Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Or, or I get that time Tuesday, Thursdays, and, 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 and we're going to meet. If you want to do it right, you send them an email that says, I've got a list of the following six issues that I need your feedback on. Um, I'd like to sit down with you and talk to you about it. This isn't, you, know, you don't want them just emailing you back, yes, no, yes, no, because a lot of the stuff you actually need to talk to somebody. So, right. you know, these are the issues I'd like to talk, talk about. I see you're available on Thursday at such and such a time and go do it. And, and for me, I set all these meetings late in the afternoon always because, um, and that's the way I'm wired. I get to work very early in the morning. I'm an early guy and, and I'm really, my brain works. But when you get to the late afternoon, I, I'm not as focused and right. I feel like meetings don't require as much focus anyway. So I, uh, I, I do those kinds of personal meetings in the late afternoon. For uh, meeting a group of people, I always do them in the morning if I can. Now, why is that different, meeting a group of people in the morning versus if, meeting one-on-one in the late afternoon? If I'm running the meeting, I need to be totally on. Oh, I got you. If I I'm attending you. a meeting, whatever, you know. <laughs> you can be. You can be half there. Well, you know. But, well, what do you think about, like, this this idea of of working lunches? My, my office, we have Wednesday morning meetings. Every morning we have breakfast together. Um, on Wednesdays. And I tell you, half the time you got, you know, they're supposed to start at eight o'clock, but the one guy regularly doesn't show up until 815 because he's got to take his kids to school every morning. So nothing ever gets happening until until after 815. And, and, you know, half the time you end up BSing about what's what's going on and who's doing this and who's dating who and what happened on American Idol last night and and all of these other ridiculous things that I know I've learned more about. Oh my gosh! Thank goodness I canceled my table cable TV subscription. Do you know what is on cable TV? I do because they talk about it on Wednesday morning meetings. Yeah, um, and that's that's my problem with meetings. I mean, that's the big problem is you go and you know I, let me be straight. You know, I could hang out and BS with the people at work, or I could be playing with my kids. Right. That's right? not, a, that's true. That's not a very difficult decision for me. And, and I'm not a jerk at work or anything like that, but at the same time, when I'm there to work, I'm there to work. And, you know, for me, the morning are the golden hours when I actually get a lot done. And if I have to go into a room and hear somebody talk about American Idol, I will get up and walk out. <laughs> So do you, do you just have a general aversion to, to these kind of, uh, you know, working lunches or working breakfasts or, or Yeah, to answer like your question, I, I don't think working lunches and working breakfasts and working whatever's work. 
I, I mm-hmm. think that if you want to sit down and work on a problem, and I'm going to talk, I promise we're going to talk about technology here soon, right? But the, uh, you need the, your ability to to work on this stuff. You, you know, sitting there trying to eat a turkey sandwich and make a discovery plan at the same time just doesn't work. Um, and I'm all for for socializing with the people at work. Like I will go out to lunch with people. I try to go to lunch with everybody at my office, you know, every certain amount of time just to kind of catch up with them. And the goal is from the moment we walk out the door to the moment we come back, we never mention work at all. And that's when I'll unload on you about how my kids are so great and your kids are so great and all the, you know, things in life that we are that are important to us. I just won't do that in a meeting. And and working lunches for me have never been very effective. I always felt like if you want to sit down and have a meal together, let's do that. But let's not try to mix work because what's going to happen is I won't get to enjoy my sandwich because I'll be thinking about work. You know, <laughs> you, you're not actually eating the food. It's just going in your mouth. If that makes any sense. I'm getting all Buddhist. On sure. You. But the, uh, right. uh, and then the work you do is not going to be very good either because you're not going to be focused on that enough. So I, I'm just not a big fan of working lunches and, Right, you're either gonna gonna spill your water on your Mac or your your iPad, or you've got soup dripping over the the notebook that you're taking notes on, or or you're not going to be doing anything to take notes, and then you're going to forget whatever you're talking about. I don't find them very productive either. Yeah, I mean, whenever someone tells me that, they're like, "Hey, let's go have a lunch and talk about this." Better yet, you know, let's schedule a meeting at one p.m. and let's just sit down and talk about it over a desk. Um, uh, yeah, but so getting back to the big meeting, and I think that's kind of the idea that we're getting to with this show is, is, uh, you set a, a set period for a beginning and an ending. And, you know, the whole thing about the guy who was 15 minutes late, um, you don't, well, first of all, you've got a problem at your work. I mean, setting a meeting when the guy physically can't be there means sure. that you're really not having a meeting. It means you're BSing for 15 minutes. That's actually on the agenda because you know, he's not going to be there. Right, he's got to take his kids to school. He can't get there until late. So you should either reset the meeting or or cancel it or do something else. Uh, but so the idea for me with a meeting, you set a set period for a beginning and an ending time, and it starts at the beginning time, no matter who isn't there. I mean, um, I, I back when I was a junior lawyer, I started meetings without the senior partner there, you know, because he was late. Then that's too bad, you know, and and I just don't think that there's any other option. And it's so disrespectful to the people who show up on time. If somebody is going to play a power game and be late, or even if it's not a power game, but just they couldn't make it, that doesn't change the fact that it was on an agenda. They knew about it. And, you know, for one reason or another, they chose not to be there. So why does everybody else have to suffer? Sure. Uh, so that I'm really anal about that. I mean, we start <laughs> when we start. Okay. Uh, what else did we have here? Uh, another point I said was have a dictator in a meeting. If, if it's a meeting I'm running, I want to be the dictator. Yeah, I'm guessing it's you. Well, if, if I start to feel like someone is playing any of the games we talked about at the beginning of the show, I shut it down because that's not the point, you know. And, and I will tell people, hey, you know, we need to really get back on focus. Here's the question. What are we going to do about it? Um, which is another kind of a point I have about this is the idea of brainstorming. Um, man, everybody's going to hate me after this show goes live. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I think I think people know you. Um, you know, for me, the idea of brainstorming—I I hate that word. You know, it doesn't even make sense. Um, uh, you know, I, I do have cases or issues sometimes where I will will get up and we'll have a whiteboard or a piece of paper or a, or a Mac out and we'll start, you know, trying to come up with creative solutions or something. But scheduling brainstorming to me. It, 
it doesn't even make sense. I don't even know how that happens. Yeah, that's more something that I that for me needs to happen more freeform. Yeah, and frankly, usually it happens to me uh, alone. Brainstorming, and we did a show on cooking ideas. That is my brainstorming. Uh, sitting around a room with people yelling out words like they're on a game show, it just doesn't usually work. Uh, but anyway, and maybe that's my profession too. I, I was thinking about this. Maybe if you're in something that's not as um, weird as the law, maybe brainstorming meetings work for you. So I get it if if that helps you. But for me, scheduling a brainstorming meeting has never turned out good. Sure. So getting back to the beginning. So you you put you know you if you're scheduling a meeting, maybe you have the power to make it suck less. And I think the way you do that is you immediately put together an agenda based on what you want to get done, not the traditional idea of an agenda where you just write some meaningless words down that people don't even pay attention to. You set a a solid start time and an end time, and you live with that. So the attendees start to develop a habit or understand that, you know, when Katie's running the meeting, it's not going to be a bunch of shenanigans. And, And then you do it. You stick to it. And when you get to the end of the meeting, then you've got stuff to do. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, let's hit our next sponsor, and then I want to talk about the technology we use during the meeting. Oh, we get to talk about tech in a, in a tech podcast? Yeah, we're going to get there, I promise. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about our second sponsor this week, and that is Pixelmator. And Pixelmator is quickly becoming one of my go-to apps because I'm I'm in the midst of this this project. In fact, one of my senior partners this this year is celebrating 50 years of practicing law and this guy is just one of the smartest guys that I know and he is just sharp as can be and he'll, he'll knowing him he'll probably be practicing for another 50 years who knows uh, but what we're doing is we're we're putting together uh, this this photo book and of course I'm using iPhoto for this and I'm having all kinds of people from all over submit great great photos but as you can imagine if he's been practicing law for 50 years a lot of these photos are kind of old and aged and um, a lot of these photos came off a bulletin board and you know they were tacked up there and a bunch of these photos have got multiple holes in multiple places and iPhoto is good you know I've been scanning all these photos and using my scanner but the image editing tools in iPhoto can only do so much. And Pixelmator is really a beautifully designed, easy to use, fast, but very powerful image editor for the Mac. And it was really designed from the ground up for the Mac. It is so easy to use. It is very intuitive. It has hardcore tools, just like some of the big boys. It's got over 40 tools for you can crop, you can paint, you can retouch, uh, you can uh, correct colors, you can filter, you can adjust the size and resolution, uh, you can transform images and layers. I had this one photo that was a, a big, gorgeous uh, 12 by 14 that wouldn't fit on my scanner, so I had to scan it in two parts and then recompose it and put it back together. And I was able to do all of that in Pixelmator, and I was able to do it all within iPhoto as well, because there's a preference in iPhoto that you can choose to say, edit photos with an external editor. So I like to use iPhoto because ultimately that's what I'm going to use to put this book together. But I needed a more powerful image editor for these photos. So I made Pixelmator the default photo editor for my iPhoto library. And all of these photos opened up in Pixelmator. I mean, these photos look gorgeous. I know his family is just going to be so pleased when they see this book. I was able to find pictures of of he and his parents on the day that he graduated law school that were just horribly aged. And you know how these photos turn out so red when when they're all aged and everything, um, and really, really cleaned them up. So 
it's it's the best thirty bucks that I think I've ever spent in the Mac App Store. Yeah, it is crazy. I remember when if you wanted to do any type of ev- image editing, you had to go buy Adobe Photoshop, which is like seven hundred bucks, and it's kind of complicated and it doesn't you know it doesn't take advantage of all the Apple technologies because of the way it's a multi-platform application. And ever since Pixelmator came out, I've had no interest whatsoever in Adobe Photoshop. I mean, I, I just love it. it. It also works with Aperture just as well as it works with iPhoto. And it's a oh, great sure external does, yeah. editor. I mean, Aperture's got some nice internal editing tools, but it can't hold a candle to some of the stuff I can do in Pixelmator. Uh, so you can find more information over in the Mac App Store over at Pixelmator.com where they've got a whole slew of tutorials. So if you want to figure out how to do some neat things with your photos, how to you know uh, mask out the background or how to make photos black and white with a pop of color, they've got dozens of tutorials over on the Pixelmator website. And once you go take a look, I'm sure you'll you'll be interested in buying Pixelmator. It's available for $29.99 uh, in the Mac App Store. And we want to thank them for their support of the show. So uh, do you think we should talk about technology now? Well, we could, or we could just do some feedback and get out of here. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so now that I've uh, told you how much I hate meetings and all the crazy stuff I do with them, let's talk about using technology in the meeting. And you know, whether you're an attendee or you're running a meeting, um, there is a good place for technology in it. And to answer your question earlier in the show, where you're, yeah. you've got a technology-adverse law firm or adverse environment, where you bring it in and they probably say, oh, Katie, she's got her iPad. She's really fancy, right? Is that what happens? Well, they, they say that or they assume, which is legitimately a problem in some cases, not necessarily with me, that you're not paying attention. If you've got your iPad open, you're you're checking your email or you're doing something else, which is a problem in meetings. You yeah. know, sometimes if you allow people to sit back behind their laptops – they're not paying any attention to you. Maybe they're checking their email, doing something work-related. Maybe they're taking notes. Maybe they're on Facebook. Yeah. And so going back to the assumption that you've got people in the meeting that need to be there because they have something specific to add, um, you're going to find out very quickly whether or not they're paying attention. And if they're not, then that's a whole other problem. But, right. but uh, you, you raise an issue with the computer versus the iPad, and I call it the wall, right? So the computer is the wall. I mean, even if you're on a MacBook Air, as soon as you lift that lid and the person across the table sees your, you know, shiny Apple logo, there's a part of him or her that is wondering what exactly is he doing, right? Uh, that's one of the things uh, I'll, I'll cut to the chase and say, I love the iPad for meetings. I'm not so excited about the Mac in meetings. Um, okay. The, uh, the iPad removes the wall. I mean, they can see what, what's on your screen because it's flat on the table right in front of you. And yeah, I was going to ask, do you lay the iPad flat on your table or do you pop it up? Because then it just becomes a little wall, too. No, I don't pop it up. I, I may tilt it, you know, with the low right. setting. With, at the angle. I would never put it up like a wall, once again. And, and to get back to the Mac question, I, the, the, find, the best use I find for using the Mac these days in a meeting, like, for instance, I've got some proprietary software, some PC-based software I'm running in Parallels is I just hook the Mac up to the Apple TV and put it up on the screen in the room so everybody in the room knows exactly what's on my screen. And because that's the reason it's there to begin with. But I want to talk about the iPad. So there's, there's some great tools on the iPad for making meetings better. And maybe the first one I would talk about is, is recording what happens at the meeting. We've talked in the past about the LiveScribe pin 
I got really excited about it, I don't know, three or four years ago when they came out for the Mac. And I used one. Yeah, you, you made me buy one. I never could get into it. Yeah, so I, I wrote about it in Mac at work. I, I used one for several years. And when the iPad came out, I started looking at some of these applications for the iPad that work as kind of a virtual live scribe pen. And, and my favorite by far is Notability. And so Notability is a note-taking application, but it also records and it does a pretty good job. You know, it's just using the mic built in on the iPad. But if you're sitting in a meeting, it'll get everybody's voices. At least the meetings I do, they aren't that big. I mean, I guess if I was sure. in like a 30-person meeting, you might have a problem. But the uh, the Notability records, and you can take notes in it, either handwritten or typed. I do them typed. And it indexes the recording to the specific notes. So... If you had three questions to answer in a meeting and you had notability running, and obviously you need to tell everybody in the room, hey, everybody, I'm recording this. I mean, that would, I think that should be a given. Uh, right. Uh, so, but you get to question one and you just type in question one, whatever it is, and you can leave it going. You can switch to other apps and it still records in the background. And it's recording everything that everyone is saying. And then when you get to question two, just jump into the app again and hit question two. So I basically put marker points or index points in Notability. I don't take really great notes of the meeting inside of it, although I could if I wanted. Uh, the point is later I can go back and I can tap the question to the annotation I made, and it'll start playing the recording that was taking place when I typed those words. So I can quickly now, how, jump through. Go ahead. I was gonna. How often do you actually go back and listen to these recordings? Because that was one thing that I found when I was using the LightScribe pen is I would make all these recordings and I would make all these notes for the meetings and then I would ultimately you know throw these notes in my file. But I would never actually go back and listen to the audio notes from the meeting. Yeah, uh, I, because that's almost like reliving the meeting and, and doubling your time. Well, and we're going to talk about what you do after a meeting later. But mm-hmm. it, it can be very useful, especially, you know, looking at a meeting as a place to convey information. As attorneys, one of the things we have to do is answer discovery. And, you know, so people ask questions, written questions, and the client needs to provide answers. And that's, a, that's an excellent use for, for this technology where you talk through the questions and answers with the client in a meeting. Then you can go back and prepare responses that are, you know, word for word accurate to what the client said in the meeting. Right. Um, I find it useful for non-discovery things as well. So it just depends. Um, I don't go back and listen to them all the time, but I will go back and listen to them some of the time. And having them there is great. And and Notability lets you save it up to Dropbox. There's a lot you can do with this stuff. I've even sent the recordings to people. Like sometimes someone who is attending the meeting is going to have a bunch of work arising out of the meeting. I said, here's the recording so you can go back and listen if you need you know reference. And where do these files live and sync up? How do how do you incorporate them into your, you know, your overall file for whatever the project, the client, whatever it is you're working on? I don't, I don't keep them for posterity. I mean, rarely do I have a recording that needs to live longer than the the matter that they're involved with. So well, it, to it's not your just the recording. It's, I don't. it's yeah, I was going to say, it's not just the recording, it's the recording and the Notability file that it syncs well, up Well, Notability will export the note as a PDF. Right. And it'll export the recording as a, I think it's a wave or a variety of different formats. So you can put it on a computer if you want. Right. You can say recording of meeting on January 12th. I don't do it that often because I just it, it's not that. It, the stuff is 
is useful to me for the life of whatever I'm doing, but afterwards it's not that useful. And I guess I could build a workflow to, I could probably even automate some of that, but it's not that important to me though. The whole idea though is I've always been terrible at taking notes. This gets me out of that. Sure. It's, it's capturing everything that's said and it allows me to focus on trying to keep the agenda moving and making sure that, you know, the, the specific questions I have get answered. I mean, you watch people sometimes in a meeting and they're really good at writing down almost everything that happens. But in that event, they're actually not helping the meeting so much as becoming a human tape recorder. Yeah, that's the problem. And and that's not really helping anybody else in the meeting because usually if you're there, you're there because you can add something. Um, I also run some applications. So my, you know, kind of a standard suite, right? Uh, I use my text editor. Yeah, so I'll have my text ed- editor open on my iPad. Sometimes I'll put an agenda together with this, the key questions and just put it in by word. And it's just a couple questions. And, and you know, kind of tied into this is more recently, uh, I am aggressively using, we put an Apple TV in the office connected to a television. So my iPad is always hooked up to the TV when it's a meeting I'm running. And you now you can use the four-finger swipe on the iPad to jump between screens. Did right. you know that? Yeah, but you have to turn them on. You have to turn it on in settings. Yeah, in settings. It's the gestures. So you use four fingers, and you just swipe the iPad screen, and it jumps between the most recent apps. So I'll have ByWord open, and I'll have a list of the questions. I'll put that, and it'll be right up on the screen there for everyone to look at. Then I'll swipe over to Notability to add another note. Or uh, another app I use a lot for this is Omni Outliner. We were doing some really advanced, uh, have a trade secret case, and we got some really advanced topics we needed to get through. And the the outline was really long, you know. So uh, in Omni Outliner, you can fold your outline with just a little, you know, disclosure triangle. Mm-hmm. So I had Omni Outliner open throughout the meeting, and I would just unfold one major point at a time. And the client could see, you know, the discussion points as we needed them. And it made it really easy for everyone to stay on target. You know, we didn't get off on a bunch of sidetrack nonsense because everybody knew where we were going. Um, another application that I use a lot in meetings is, is OmniPlan. You know, they, they just came out with the OmniPlan for the iPad. And um, fortunately, you know, I was in beta, so my clients unknowingly were seeing very secret beta OmniPlan for months. You know? Ooh. <laughs> but it's great because you know, we, I talked about this, I think, in an ad spot we did for Omni last episode. But I, I love OmniPlan, and I don't really use it for project management so much as project you know, overview and, and, you know, road mapping or signposting. And so I, I'll have that open as one of the apps on my iPad and we can just say, okay, here's where we at. This is where we're going. And, and everybody knows exactly what's going on and, and it w- works great on the iPad. You can see it right up on the screen. And, and I got to tell you, you know, just, you know, cooking together all these apps and having this stuff happen seamlessly. Um, I think I get the, exact opposite of the the issue you have where people see the technology and they think uh, they're just goofing off with me. It's like, it impresses the heck out of them. They're like, wow, this guy's like really got it together. He's thought about all this stuff. And you know, it really helps me get credibility with the client or whoever I'm meeting with. And it allows me to be kind of a jerk about pushing my agenda and getting the meeting done because they say, well, he took enough time to, to do all this, then we need to stay on target. Right. What about scheduling and, and task management and figuring out what you've got to 
do in the meetings? Are you are you in and out of OmniFocus during your meeting, or do you just make notes to come back and throw into OmniFocus later? Because I know you'd mentioned previously you don't like to stay in OmniFocus all day. You you put your tasks in, you review it, and you, you use the day to get stuff done. Yeah, I, I don't. If I'm attending a meeting, I will add new tasks to OmniFocus right there. If I'm running a meeting, I won't open OmniFocus because that's just going to be nutty. I guess I could. I've never really thought about it, but I guess I could open a project that I'm working on so everyone could see a list of the tasks. But those are my tasks. It's not everybody's tasks. So I don't think I'd do that. Um, you know, One of the things about this is the iPad and a pad of paper are not mutually exclusive. You can go in a meeting and have that stuff. I mean, I use my field notes, which are in my pocket. right? So if during a meeting I think of something that I need to specifically add to a task, I may just write it down on paper. Wow. There are actually a lot of nice cases that will incorporate the iPad and a and a pad of paper. Yeah, there are. I, I'm not really into that stuff. Though. I, I I'd much rather just use my little field guide because it can go everywhere with me. But so so you can do it that way. I in terms of task and calendar management, though, I use the calendar app on the iPad if we need to look at dates. I mean, and that's something once again that I probably use more as an attendee than as a meeting organizer. As a meeting organizer, sure. I'll be more likely to have OmniPlan open. But as an attendee, I definitely will be looking at if people are starting to say, well, I need you to do this, this, and this. I'll be looking at my calendar to see what I'm doing during that period to make sure it's physically possible for me to do what they're about to ask me to do. Mm. Um, Now, one of my big problems with with going into these meetings, and this probably goes back to my need to adopt a paperless office, and if I can convince my office to go that way. But like you said, sometimes it just starts with you, is a lot of times, especially if I'm meeting with clients, I'll have to go into this meeting with this this humongous file because you never know when you'll be have to you'll have to pull something out and reference something here or there. Yeah, and see the iPad is so awesome for that. You know, as reference materials. If you've got assuming you've got it all scanned in. Yeah, exactly. And there's a book about that I heard. There is a I heard I heard this guy wrote a book about that. It's pretty good. I think it's doing okay on iTunes, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, funny story. I went and gave a, a talk at the Apple store recently about paperless. Yeah. And uh and I was, I got there kind of a little late. I wasn't there as early as I'd like to. And there's a bunch of people there waiting to get in. And they're like, so what is this thing about? I said, I heard it's paperless. This is really, I said, yeah, I said, I heard the guy is given. It's like a total jerk. And then the guy, the guy goes, oh yeah, I heard that too. And I'm like, oh man. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so either way you got your stuff scanned in. I mean, the iPad is so great for reference. You, uh, you know, you can use the Dropbox app, or you can use your favorite PDF app of choice. I use PDF Pen. A lot of people like PDF Expert and Goodreader. Uh, so you, you can get a good PDF app, and you can have, you know, once again, from the perspective of an attorney, you can have all these documents available to because that's, you know, we we live and breathe that stuff in meetings. But I so think you I, just throw all this stuff and you sync it up to Dropbox before you start your meeting. Yeah, and you just have a folder and you have it in your, or you do iCloud over with PDF Pen. You know, like right. a contract meeting is a good example. I have a contract I want to review with someone, and we want to go through it in great detail. I've gone through in PDF Pen on my Mac and highlighted and made comments and done all these other things, and then iCloud syncs it over to the iPad. So right. during the meeting, I can just open it up, and we can add additional annotations. And what I'll do is I'll make the highlight color different for something that relates to the client, or I'll use a red highlight for stuff that I think needs to go. And so we'll be adding and subtracting from all that stuff. And while we're sitting in the meeting, this is a great part. You you just email it off to the guy, the guy who's there with you, so he can see it again. 
And when you batch your Mac, it's already there because you got the iCloud sync. It's just really great. Um, it's also good if you have a lot of stuff scanned and you don't know what you're going to need and you've got that available to pull it up at any point. And once again, using the Apple TV and the big screen in the room, everything goes up on the screen. It's, it's just so nice. I, I feel like, how did so we get by So you don't have to worry about this? having all these paper copies for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't generally hand out a bunch of stuff to people. I mean, if someone wants to bring something, they're welcome to. But to me, it's just, you know, digitally get the stuff on the screen and, and let's talk about it. And the funny thing is, that if you listen to this show, you're thinking, wow, this guy is like driving this agenda and he's not really allowing us to be creative or think about other things. But to me, I feel like the more organized you are, the easier it is to kind of go out of the box with some of this stuff as you're going through it. I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts. Uh, here's another thing. Like if you're attending a meeting, you know, you can take notes on your, you can use these technologies as well while you're attending to me. It's a little bit different, right? Uh, you know, have you seen these note taking apps? Do I call it doodling apps, you know, like paper or penultimate. You can, I, use- I can't wrap my head around taking notes on the iPad with a stylus. Maybe my handwriting's just that atrocious, but the iPad makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. But the styluses are getting better and, and there is some stuff for that. I was at a meeting or I was at a deposition where there's another attorney who took notes throughout the whole deposition on the iPad. I mean, he didn't know who the heck I was or Max Sparky or anything. I was impressed the guy was able to to get that done, and he did a pretty good job. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so alternatively, you could run a meeting with a Mac. And it's a lot of the same tools. But, you know, I don't think it's as good because the wall is always there. I mean, you can use Omni Outliner. There's what, Paranote? Are you familiar with that app? Right. I think David Wayne talked about Paranote in his workflow. They use it a lot when they're doing screenings because you can keep the audio recording going while you're taking notes. Kind of the same thing with Notability. Yeah. And Omni Outliner does that too, but Omni Outliner doesn't index it. So you can't go by and and just selectively say, give me the part that talked about question two. Uh, Your iPhone too. A lot of people forget, you know, because for the longest time we wanted the iPhone to have Bluetooth keyboard support. I think I wrote like, you know, 7,000 posts about it at Max Sparky. Remember when there was only the iPhone? Exactly. So when there, when the iPhone first came out, every new version of iOS would come out. I tried the night before. Boy, I sure hope we have Bluetooth keyboard support. I remember back in my old Palm days, uh, one of the things I had was a little fold-up stowaway keyboard. And I, I remember would just that in plug college. It in, and like you're sitting on an airplane or whatever, you could just type text in. Um, and so that finally came out when the iPad released. They they supported the iPhone as well. And we were also hung up with the iPad that nobody really thought about it. And it seems to me like it kind of slipped through, you know, the nerd gap, right? Because we have the iPad, so people stop thinking about it. But it still is true. Now you have a Bluetooth keyboard support on the iPhone. And it's really useful. I mean, I've I've been attending meetings sometimes where... A lot of stuff is happening. I don't have my iPad with me for one reason or another. I'll just pull out my phone and start writing stuff down. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So what did I miss? Um, you've got the We've technology. A lot of technology. You know, it, I think the apps on the iPad make it really good. Uh, the ability to hook it to the screen make it really good. If you're attending a meeting, uh, you have a sacred trust when you bring technology into the meeting, not to do the kinds of things that Katie's coworkers are worried about. No Twitter, no Facebook, no email. Don't, don't be checking in on something else while we're in our meeting. I mean, it's that, just rude. It's it, just rude. Well, not only is it rude, I think it, um, it's, it's very disrespectful to the meeting. If, if the meeting is so bad that you don't need to be there, then don't be there. But Get up and leave. And the other problem is 
is now you have set a uh, a precedent for your own meetings. You know, if, if you don't take other people's meetings seriously, why should they take yours seriously? And I'm not a big fan of people who go off and do funny things with their technology during a meeting. Uh, so the last part is what I call the happy ending, right? So you get a you get a meeting, you've had a, a successful agenda, you got through and got answers to the things you needed. At the end, you summarize and assign action lists to people. I mean, if you've been taking notes, you know at the end of the meeting that Joe is responsible for X, Y, and Z, Mary is responsible for A, B, and C, and you summarize it. Okay, everybody, uh, just to be clear, this is what we're going to do. We've made these, we've answered these questions, and we're going to get further such and such from so and so. And I say it in the meeting, but this is the cool part. You don't just say it in the meeting because people walk out of the meeting and it like it goes away from their memory, like it's gone. You know, it's like it didn't happen. Uh, you send an email out, and once again, text expander. And you get a text expander. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so you say, okay, we had the meeting. You know, we started at X, we ended at Y. These are the questions we had. Here's the answers we came up with. Here's the follow-up items and who's going to take care of them. And you send it out. And uh, that way you've got it. And then I have OmniFocus. And I can put follow-up items for myself in OmniFocus. Talk to Ted about X, Y, and Z you know, in a week or whatever the, the deadline is. And just follow up and be responsible for it. And you do that with people and they start to learn that they can trust that, number one, your meetings aren't going to suck and it'll be worth their time. And number two, that you actually will hold them responsible for whatever they're responsible for. And makes life much easier. Good deal. Well, I, I'm feeling more organized already. I'm feeling a little more productive already. I feel better about meetings. You know, I think it, it's such a problem point for people. Yeah. And I said this at the beginning of the show. If you're uh, listening to this show, I really recommend listening to Back to Work with, with Dan and Merlin. They do such a good job. And I know sometimes people complain that they, they jokey too much at the beginning of that show. But, you know, they just sometimes they just come up with such great stuff. If, yeah. if this kind of stuff is interesting to you, go check it out. I think the one thing that you do have to be careful of, and and David, I'm sure for a while you got a lot of weird looks, but now people are just used to, well, that's David, uh, is I think you just do have to be careful about how you come across about some of this stuff. If you decide you're not going to attend the meetings, I think people have to understand you're not blowing them off. You're not goofing off. Uh, you're You're trying to be more productive and, and make sure that if you are blowing off a meeting, let me rephrase that. If you are, if you decide not to attend a meeting, that you're doing it for the right reasons, and and that you know, you're making good use of your time. Well, yeah. because people people know the difference between people who are just talking the talk and and are actually walking the walk, I guess. Well, and just to be clear, if I decide that it's a meeting that I can't add anything to, I will not just not show up. Or write some snarky email. I'll I'll tell the person, hey, you know, I saw you at this meeting. I, I'm not going to go, and this is why. And people get that. And, and frankly, just like the email tricks we talked about in the email show, how not responding to email after five minutes, you can train people around you that that's not what you do. Mm-hmm. Meetings are the same way. I mean, if you start running really tight, efficient meetings, and if you start you know, talking to people seriously about what you can add and not add is I know that people don't invite me to some meetings that they know I wouldn't go to anyway. I mean, there, there is a payoff there. I don't have to, I don't have to bow out of as many meetings because people say, wait, uh, Sparks, he's the weirdo. He's not going to want to sit around and just shuck and jive about this stuff for two hours. Okay. We'll just won't invite him. And you know what? I'm perfectly fine with that. 
And obviously you need to know your setting. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get yourself fired over this, but, but do try and take it more seriously. And, and I try to give people the same respect that I would want when I'm setting a meeting. That's all. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about our last sponsor and someone who could probably help you make your meetings more efficient. You talked about them already in a roundabout way, and that is Fujitsu. They're the makers of the ScanSnap scanners. They're the ones that make all this, this lovely paperless possible. And that's probably one of the things that you can do right now to make your office life, to make your home life, and to make your meetings more productive is by adopting a paperless workflow. Because we talked about not having to have the file cabinets full of stuff, not having to bring these large files and folders into meetings, and not having to keep all of this junk around that you have to sort and organize through. Instead, you know, keep it digital, keep it in a folder, keep it in your Dropbox, keep it in your iCloud, throw it up on the Apple TV instead and, and have all the share instead of having all these meeting handouts to give to everybody. Yeah, it's so easy. You know, with the uh, S1500M, that's the desktop scanner from Fujitsu made just for the Mac. You just throw a pile of paper in there. It takes up to 50 sheets at a time, and it just zips them through there. It scans both the front and the back at once, puts it all into PDF format, and you can have it automatically perform OCR and do all the extra whiz-bang stuff you need. And using the technologies that we have on the iPad and the Dropbox or iCloud syncing, you can have a meeting and walk in there, at least I do routinely, with an iPad and a field notes and a pencil and run an extremely productive meeting. Right. Uh, the S1300 is the 1500's little baby brother or sister, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, it's a little bit smaller. It doesn't have quite as large a paper tray. It doesn't come with quite all the bangs and whistles, but it is still a powerhouse workhorse scanner. It's got a paper tray. It will scan front and back at the same time. Not quite as fast as the 1500, but it will still get the job done. This is a more portable scanner. It will run off of USB power, and it will fit in a drawer. So if, if uh, desk space is at a is at a premium, or if you think that you're going to need to travel occasionally and need to take a scanner with you, that's the one that you may want to consider. Yeah, and then they also have the S1100, which is the is the real portable scanner. It can run off USB. It'll Pocket fit. size. Yeah, it, it's just and it just runs one sheet at a time. It doesn't have a feeder on it. There's definitely trade-offs there. But if you need something real portable, that's the one you want to go with. They all use the same excellent Fujitsu uh, ScanSnap software for the Mac, uh, it's got the built-in OCR. It manages the whole thing. It saves it to your Dropbox or wherever you tell it to save it to. It automatically detects color. It straightens the pages. And, and well, actually, I guess it orients the pages. So if you put something mm-hmm. in upside down, it flips it around for you. It's just it's great software. Right. I bet you could even take that little S1100 into meetings with you if you needed to. If it's not a meeting you're running. Yeah, man. I'm not sure I'd be really stuff. happy if people sat there scanning during my meetings. <laughs> <laughs> You might you might have trouble from me, <laughs> but uh, you can find more about the uh, excellent Fujitsu line of scanners over at ez.com/ssmpu. That stands for ScanSnap NPU. Uh, they've got scanners for everybody, so I'm sure you'll find a model that will work best for you. And we want to thank Fujitsu for their kind support of the show. All right, so All right. We, we're behind on feedback. We are. We haven't done some in a while. Some of that, uh, that's, that's, that's been a bit of backlog. So let's, let's see what we can get through here. Okay. Uh, we did hear from Gene uh, talking about MyThoughts, and that's an application that works well with iThoughts HD on the Mac. So, you know, iThoughts HD doesn't support the Mac when we did our brainstorming show called Cooking Ideas. 
I talked about how they don't have a complimentary Mac app. Well, Gene says you should use my thoughts that it works pretty good with those files. And uh, I thoughts HD opens and saves that file format. There you go. Uh, Bob wrote in and he wanted to know how we organized our stuff on our Mac. And I guess he's talking more about how do we organize our documents folder? Do we just throw everything in a pile in our documents folder or do we keep it divided by subfolder, like a a folder of photos, a folder of videos, a folder for podcasts? and, And what do we do with that? Um, I, I have used a lot of the framework that Apple has already set up for me. I've, I keep all of my photos in iPhoto. I keep all of my music in iTunes. I keep, um, movies in the movie folder. If you know, they're home movies and things like that. Otherwise, if they're, you know, rentals or TV shows, they, they're going iTunes. So I, I don't have a lot of stray files running around. Uh, if they are, they're typically, and I keep a lot of stuff in Evernote. So that, that, knocks down on a lot of my, my random files and folders. In terms of documents, they, they go in my documents folder, but the, my documents folder, which actually lives in my Dropbox, is sub-organized into different categories. So, for example, I have a, a category for work. I have a category for personal. Um, I'm trying to look at, you know, what else I, I have in my, my doc, documents folder. Um, you know, like I have a, I have a folder for Macworld that may have all the stuff about my, my annual Macworld trip in there. Um, I have a, a folder for education-related things. I have a folder for computer-related things. I have a folder for consulting. I have a folder for my Mac user group. And so I'm, I'm very files and folder-oriented, and I have a lot of subfolders, and I can usually drill down and tell you where things are pretty quickly. So uh, I tend to organize, if it, if it doesn't fall into one of those categories of a photo or a movie, media typically goes and is managed by one of the apps, but but documents, PDFs, Word documents, things like that, that's all in files and folders and uh, organized by category in a hierarchical structure. So that's how I keep things. What yeah. about you? Uh, nested folders, baby. All about that. Um, so we heard from a couple people when we talked about the Cooking Ideas show about an alternative outliner on the iPad called Carbon Fin. Uh, I played with it a little bit. I used it before Omni Outliner came out. To be honest, I, I prefer Omni Outliner, but that's another option. Carbon fin, I'll put it in the show notes. Yep. Uh, we had a, a note come in from Simon who was uh, wanted to throw our attention to the brain, which was formerly known as the personal brain. And it's a piece of software, and although it's not mind mapping per se, it does have an interesting visual interface that allows you to link multiple thoughts or ideas. So it's kind of like mind mapping software. Um but but not exactly, and so it's a it's a unique idea on on brainstorming and and things like that. It's it's been adopted by a lot of the GTD crowd. He he says so. Uh, it's apparently been been used on a PC for a while, and, and you can find more information at thebrain.com. So I, I haven't checked it out, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, Beverly wrote in asking about uh, speech recognition. We did a show on it a long time ago, and said you know where do we stand with it now. Um, uh, we kind of talked about this a bit on the Syracuse show with John Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing a lot with Dragon Express. It's just a $50 kind of light version of Mac Speech Dictate. And I kind of like it because you can dictate into one window as opposed to any window. And it makes me less likely to make mistakes like that. And then you just paste the text in. But yeah, I'm still very much a user user of uh, dictation technologies. Use it every day. I mean, another trick I do... Is I dictate just into Byword on my iPad, and using iCloud, the text virtually shows up on my Mac just about as fast as I dictate it in, which is kind of nice too. 
Now, do you find that the, uh, is the engine the same on Dragon Express as it is for the full-blown Dragon? Do you find the accuracy is similar? The accuracy is fine. I, I don't okay. see much, if any, of a difference. And frankly, I don't see much of a difference with the technology in iOS 5 with, uh, you know, the uh, Siri dictation on the iPad. I guess I shouldn't use the word Siri. It's it's just dictation, really. But uh, speech recognition be. on the iPad works pretty darn good. Yeah, we should mention we're recording the show uh, pre WWDC, so there's yep. there's rumors that Siri might be coming to the iPad, but probably not until iOS six if it yeah, does. I'm intentionally uh, not talking about that right now because who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, we got a couple of emails from people. You know, uh, Wendy Cherwinski was talking about the Pomodoro technique that she was using, where you set a timer and you concentrate and you you set a goal to work for so many minutes and then the timer goes off and you take a break and you know you get up you stretch you focus on something else or you you know twitter break facebook break whatever it is you want to do uh, and it's, it's a way of being able to to hyper focus on something that kind of knowing that you've got a, a break there are a bunch of different apps that will do it um in fact there was a, an app for the iphone that used to advertised on our show a while ago. That was a really good guy uh, that was called just Pomodoro on yeah. the iPhone. So there are a couple of different apps. Yeah, it's called Pomodoro Timer from Naval Labs. And that's, that's right. the one I still use. I think it's great. I'll put it yeah. in the show notes. Yeah, and there, there are also some apps for the Mac. So there, there's a bunch of different apps, and, and they usually have some variation of the word Pomodoro in there. Yeah, I've never been really a big fan of like hacking your brain with these kinds of, of tricks. But once in a while, if you do find yourself having trouble focusing... It's not a bad idea to try one of these things to just kind of get yourself rebooted. Yeah. Do you ever use it? Do you ever use the Pomodoro technique, Katie? I have a little bit. It, yeah. No, I do all the time. I think it's great. So it's something to check out. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't do it every day. But when I do find myself saying, hey, it's 10 o'clock and I haven't got anything done, then I'll say, okay, you got you to you know, turn it around here, Sparky. Yeah. Uh, you got more feedback about your hyphens. Yeah, I know. You know, or dashes. Absolutely right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I kept calling them dashes, and they're actually hyphens. And we did it in the show. I even did it in the book. And 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 just to be clear, we're talking about when you're using your naming technique for files. Yeah, but even then, it's just the, I wasn't even referring to the character right, which you know was pretty embarrassing, really. But either way, thanks everyone, and I I will fix that. You, um, you know, you wouldn't have this problem if you would use dots instead. Yeah. But then I'd have a different I'm, problem. I'm just saying. So we heard from a couple people about bartender and bartending. Um, the first thing we heard of was uh, 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 several people wrote in about this new menu bar app called Bartender. And I'm put the link in the show notes. I believe it's $7.50 now. It's going to be 15 when they release it. And it solves the problem of too many menu bar apps. You know, if you've got, you know, we always talk about menu bar apps. And if you've got a bunch of them, and you've got like an 11-inch MacBook Air, there's a good chance you won't be able to see them because the menu items of your currently running app are going to overlap. Yeah, I have this problem already on my 13-inch Air. Yeah, so uh, there's a, this great app called Bartender. It's still in beta. I bought it. I love it. And I've been using it on my 13-inch MacBook Air now for a couple of weeks with no trouble. And allows you, it creates a little, in my case, I'm using the star icon, but they, they've got different icons. And you can click it, and it shows you um, a series of menu bar apps that you've put inside there. So you've basically nested your menu bar apps. So it's a good app. But that also got me thinking about our friend over at uh, 512 Pixels, Stephen Hackett, who wrote a really good book about bartending. 
and he was an Apple. Yeah, team. I read this on my last trip. It was very interesting. Yeah, so Stephen's a great guy. Got to know him really well at MacWorld this year. He makes an excellent blog, and he does some podcasts too. And he wrote this book about his experience being an Apple genius at working at the Genius Bar, and I thought it was really great. I'm going to put a link in the show notes if you haven't heard of this. You should definitely go check it out. Yeah, it's a fun book. It's an easy read. I I read it um read it on a, a conference I recently went to, and it was fun. Fun little yeah. book. Uh, got an email from Dave. Uh, yeah, John Syracuse and I, and I guess you, David, we were all kind of talking about our, our RSI issues that we had. You know, some people call it repetitive stress injury. Some people call it carpal tunnel. Um, but he was talking about a, a different type of keyboard, and I may be mispronouncing this, but it was called a Maltron, M-A-L-T-R-O-N brand keyboard. And he says, what was different about this keyboard, you know, we're all familiar with the split ergonomic types keyboards, but this type of keyboard, the keys were actually arranged into these two bowls. So they were really recessed into a bowl shape that um, you means that your fingers had to adjust for different lengths uh, in order to type the keys on the keypad. And and he said uh, this, this really helped him tremendously. So um, it, if this is something you struggle with, you might want to take a look at it. Yeah, the keyboard looks like, you know, in Star Trek where they have something really weird just because they were in the future. Like they'd have yeah. a, a square glass, you know, <laughs> it makes no sense to try and drink out of glass that's square on top, but they'd have one, right? This looks like that to me, but a lot of people swear by it, so it must work. So anyway, we'll put it in there. Yeah. Hey, if it works, go for it. We also heard from Michael Schechter, who runs the uh, A Better Mess blog, which is, is really great. And he was talking about how using text expander to name files on iOS sometimes runs into trouble. Yeah, I've never had that problem. I, I don't use um, text expander snippets in the name field on the iPad. I don't know why that never occurred to me. And I just don't do that. But if, if you're running into that problem, I guess there's an issue with iOS where you can't run an expansion inside the name file. Hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen that before, but... Oh, you know, we also heard from Linda. This was really cool. She sent us a link to her Neo 2, and uh, they have these devices. Oh, yeah, the speak and spell. Yeah, she called it her speak and spell, but she goes into meetings, and it's a... Um, it basically reminds me of my old Tandy WP2. It's, a, it's just a word processor. It's like this clunky-looking physical keyboard with a small... LCD display on it. And they also have one on their website called the Alpha Smart 3000. And if the iPad didn't exist, I would be tempted to buy one of these because all it oh does is you can write text on it. That's all it does. And it, it saves it out to your to your Mac or your, your PC. But it's just a really dumb text editor. And it runs on like three AAA batteries and can run forever on these oh batteries. Goodness. And if, you know, the batteries die, you just put new batteries in it. And, uh, you know. Now that would get me looks at meetings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not sure it's it really makes sense anymore with the iPad and like the dictation stuff. I I mean, the iPad has become so useful to me, but uh, I I would have liked one of these in the not you know too distant past. In fact, I wrote a post at Max Sparky just a couple months ago because I found my old uh, Tandy WP2, and that 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 little word processor got me through law school. I love that little. And we had Robert write in, you know, I can't believe on our mobile me show, we talked about potential replacements to the gallery and we talked about Flickr. We talked about fanfare. We talked about a couple others. We missed Picasa. And, you know, I've used Picasa. We talked about it quite extensively on our Google show. 
And we didn't talk about it all on our Mobile Me show, and it was just a complete oversight on my part. So Picasa is an alternative for web albums, especially if you're really into Google+, because everything is all integrated. And if you already use photo services, there's also a, uh, a plug-in that will allow it to work with iPhoto. So if you're, if you're still looking for a uh, Mobile Me gallery alternative, you may want to check out Picasa. Yeah, and that's really, I think, for people who, who like the Google stuff. If you're into the Google stuff, then just go ahead and use their photos. Uh, Fletcher Penny, who was a guest on our show when we talked about Markdown and is the author of Multi-Markdown, wrote in, uh, during the Syracuse show, I had made a comment how I like iCloud, but I like it for a limited number of files, and I would be afraid to use it with a large number of files. Well, it turns out that Fletcher is getting ready to release an app for the iPad. You know, he has a Multi-Markdown app for the uh, Mac. Right. And he has been testing iCloud, and he says he has 600 small text files and, oh, 700 and he is syncing them no problem through iCloud. And he says, it's working just great. So, you know, maybe iCloud is further along than I thought. I haven't done it yet. I haven't really had the guts to, or the time to go in and, and test that. But if Fletcher says it is so, it is so. And he also did an interesting post at his website about, uh, from a, a programmer's perspective, implementing Dropbox versus iCloud and how much easier it was for him to do iCloud because Apple has taken care of all the back-end stuff for him. Right. You know, it just goes to show you that there's still a little bit of stink on iCloud that has taken over from, you know, the mobile me and the dot Mac days. Yeah, but if all this is true, you know, it, once they really get it rolling with, like, the iWork integration and stuff, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are really dig iCloud. I agree. I agree. So, All right. Well, we thought that was going to be a short show, but not so much after all. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I think it's going to be a really good show. I think. I think... A lot of a lot of people have been clamoring for the meeting show, and I think you did an excellent job covering the topic, David. I'm really not as much of a Nazi in life as I think I sound like on this show. Really, he's not. No, he's not. But he's really a nice guy. I'm kind of a hippie in a lot of ways, but when it comes to <laughs> meetings, I'm kind of I kind of am a Nazi. I think about it. Uh, so we hope that you all enjoyed the little after dark that we did for uh, WWDC and um, send us your feedback on that. If you liked them, we'll do more. And, you know, David, this is uh, this is show 90. Wow. Ticking down. Yeah. You know what that means? We got 10 more to 100. And and we've got some pretty good ideas for show 100. David and I are, are, are fighting a little bit back and forth as, as to the exact nature of it we've got a big picture idea and i think we'll we're, we're going to need some input from the mac power users family and and i think we'll be talking to you about that pretty soon too so stay tuned fighting fighting not fighting not fighting cut, disagreeing cut slightly me deep. cut me deep Dis- disagreeing slightly as to the format all right disagreeing slightly as to the format that's that's a better way to put it so how can you find so, us uh, you can find links to everything we talked about over at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can also send us an email at feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or we're on Twitter. The show is MacPowerUsers. I'm Katie Floyd, or David is Max Sparky. And uh, thanks for all the great iTunes comments. It's helping us grow the audience, and that always means a lot. Yeah. And uh, thanks to our sponsors, 1Password, Fujitsu, and Pixelmator for uh, helping us to pay the bills and keeping us doing what we're doing. And should we tell you something? No, we're not going to announce that. It's going to be really cool. Just sit tight. We've got a good show coming. All right. Bye now.